0: Welcome to More Than a Sign, where we talk to some of Milwaukee's most productive realtors, up-and-coming realtors, and those that work alongside us. However, rather than being a platform for shameful self-promotion, these are intimate discussions about the journey, the struggle, the fear, and ultimately the personal growth along the way. At the end of the day, nobody really cares about what we do. All that really matters is who we are. Today we're going to learn who Dion Price is. But before we do, let me tell you a few things about what Dion has done. So Dion is an agent with Acts Housing. Um, Acts Housing works to get primarily first-time home buyers into homes, serving primarily the African-American community, the Hispanic community, and the Asian community. Over the last five years, Dion has helped more than 100 clients um, purchase homes, many of those for the first time no disrespect intended, but who really cares about that? Let's talk about Dion the person. So Dion, I'm going to ask you a bunch of questions today, but before I do, I don't really write out questions in advance because I want this to be free-flowing, but I do have to say that I am blessed to have hundreds of friends in this business, but I have one brother. I have one brother in this business, and that's you. And we have a a really great friendship, and we learn a lot from one another. And I couldn't be more excited for those that listen in our industry to learn all about the
1: guy that I've gotten to know over the last couple of years. I appreciate that. I've, I feel the same way. Uh, I feel that I have um, I have more than a mentor, you know, with you. You know, I have uh, I have a I have, I have, and I have more than a friend. And uh, I'm very glad that we were able, you know, that we were able to connect. And um, I love the relationship that we have.
0: Yeah, me too. Just put that, put it
1: that way. I me love too. the relationship that we have.
0: Okay. So uh, let's go back to the beginning. Okay. Where we, you
1: were born in East St. Louis, right? Yep. Born and raised in East St. Louis. Tough neighborhood from what I've heard. So um, I was born in... Um, they were called the Orweathers. Uh, they were the projects. Mm-hmm. Down the street was Christian Welfare Hospital. So I was born in the Christian Welfare Hospital. Uh, something that, that you may not know was that uh, I was an identical twin. Hmm. And uh, my identical twin brother, uh, Leon, he, he died six, six hours after birth.
0: Oh, I didn't know that. Yep. Yeah. So, what was life like as a young kid?
1: I had a real, I would say I had a real good life. So of course, uh, you know my my parents, my parents bro- had broke up when uh, when I was probably about five years old. Mm-hmm. Um, we often talk about how m- minority women and you know people from poor neighborhoods, whether they be black, white, Latino, whatever. Um, there are certain things like we don't all have access to. Uh, You know, like therapists, you know, psychologists and things like that. But what I seen from my mother, even like my mother is a great, beautiful woman, uh, but obviously losing her child uh, and not only did she lose her child, but she didn't she she didn't get to see her child because, uh, you know, the birth she she nearly died from my birth even though we were identical twins we were big so like i think i was 7 pounds <laughs> and i and my my twin brother was like 6 pounds yeah but um my mother i would say she had what was a, an equivalent to postpartum depression and um i would say she still took it like a champ yeah. you know um she was she was still a very good mother very happy woman but you could tell that she was going through some things. Yeah. Um. So as a result, um, we from the age of about seven years old to till I was about seventeen, eighteen years old, uh, I was staying with my grandparents. Mm-hmm. Um, my mother was, you know, kind of on and off, back and forth with us, but and and my grandparents was giving my mother a, a chance to. You know, like my mother didn't have a drinking problem. She didn't have a drug problem or anything like that. But you know, my mother, you know she she was she was having it was it was tough for her. she no it was tough for my mother. Yeah. My grandparents, like I said, I was raised by my grand my grandmother and my grandfather, and we never wanted for anything. Um, we we weren't rich. You know, mm-hmm. we want we weren't rich at all. But we again, we never went for anything. There was always food in the refrigerator. You know, there was always food in the pantries. We always had clothes. We all always had shoes. And what was crazy was that, you know, my grandfather was uh my grandfather was also a barber. So it was hmm. like You always look <laughs> good. I, I, I always look good. So yeah. <laughs> yep. And uh th- they were very selfless and loving people. And uh I would say If there's one thing I can remember about me and my siblings is that we were always the underdogs. Like we were always the people that, you know, that because of the type of life, because of what was happening to us, you know, no one thought that we would succeed. So I'm going to bounce back and forth. Mm -hmm. But so you have
0: an unbelievable moral compass. I mean, Mm -hmm. you have a really clear vision of what's right and wrong. You live your life. According to what's right and wrong, you, and, you, and, and that's how you deal with your clients. Um, and I draw great inspiration from that. Who set you on that path?
1: I would say, first of all, my relationship with Jesus Christ, first of all. That I would say that first and foremost. But I was thinking about this on the way here, is that we are all products of someone praying for us. Like, I, I think that's what I think about it. I think that we're all products of that. And, um, but if I would, if I would give credit to any person, to any people, I would say my mother, my father, uh, my, my grandparents. And I would also probably say, you know, especially like my older, my older brother and sister, because they were kind of like, uh, they were kind of like second parents too. Right. <laughs> yeah. They were, they were like, uh. I got, I got roughed up by them or, you know, I got disciplined by them almost just as much as I did by my grandparents and stuff. But, um, there was a lot of people in my family that were just, they were stand up people. That's, that's what I would say. I I was, my entire life, I was around stand up people. How did you stay out of trouble as a kid? Or did you find some trouble (laughs) as a kid? Yeah, I was, I was, I was in trouble a lot. Okay. So yeah, I, I was in trouble a lot as a kid, but, um, Again, it's like it's it's the product of people praying for you because that I mean there was, there was situations I was in where um, honestly I don't know how I came out alive. Yeah, East St. Louis it's a it, like you said it's a rough it's a very rough area it's a very rough neighborhood and I, I don't know if it's if this is the proper platform to say this but I was known there for like I had I had I was a hothead I had, mm. I, had a, I had a temper. I guess what fixes what what helps adjust your attitude is that you find yourself in a lot of situations where you come out there shaking up, like you know, and you come out there, you know, wondering like, how did I get out this situation alive? Mm. And and it, you know, and then especially, I had a lot of friends growing up that didn't make it to fifteen, mm. you know, eighteen, twenty, and when I say I have a lot of friends. Uh, I am talking about like in the dozens, yeah. you know. Like there, there's a lot of friends. Uh, I mean, I can just think of like right off the top of my head um, that did not did not make it, uh, you know, p- past their teen years or didn't didn't make it to eighteen. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: um, heartbreaking, right? Like
1: now that you're out of that environment, mm-hmm. to think that
0: you, as a little kid, were in that environment and that you survived and that you've built this beautiful life for you and your family, it's yeah. incredible. I tend not to talk a lot during these podcasts, but I want to get one point across, and it's the basis of a lot of our conversations, mm-hmm. and that is that in this country, you have to be a part of the ownership society to get ahead. And if you look at the pandemic that we just went through, where most Americans got 2000 or $4,000 or $6,000, and it was spent on rent and food and clothes and everything well that money is spent but it doesn't disappear it ends up in people's pockets and it ends up in the pockets of people that own things that Mm -hmm. own their homes that own businesses that own skills um and that you have to own something in this country to truly get ahead and for those of us that own homes We just went through the pandemic, but our homes are worth more than ever. Mm -hmm. And for those that rented, they didn't see any of that upside. And we've talked a lot about how important it is getting people to buy because it's a life changer. Um, So let's just spend some time talking about dealing with people that maybe have never owned before.
1: Not only have they been renters their entire lives. But you're you're talking about multi-generational renters. Mm-hmm. So um people who for at at least, you know, two, three generations, um they they have been renting. And not only that, but another unique, I guess, dynamic that I've been seeing in a, specifically with certain African American homebuyers. I see a lot of like single mothers. So single mothers who are basically doing it by themselves. And one of the things is that it's it's one income. So so a lot of these a lot of these people are they're you know they're successful. They're like you know what you would consider I guess consider I guess middle class. You know they have good wages. They're educated. They're hardworking, determined. the The problem is that they they're doing it by themselves. There was a young lady I was work. I, I took her to a showing yesterday, and we were talking. Uh, she 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 was telling me her situation. She says, "I have good credit. I'm just a single mom, and I have student loan debt. That's all. That's the only thing I really have." And she said, "This is why I believe." my pre approval amount isn't as high as I would want it to be. And so we we had like a we we were in we were in the condominium that we were that we were looking, no, that, that I was showing her. We we spent the first 10, 15 minutes looking at the actual condo and talking about like the condominium and the, the homeowners association and things like that. Spent very little time with that. So she she knew that, but then we went into talking about what does this pre-approval amount gets you? I mean, what what are your expectations? What do you think it gets you? And so she came to the reality. She was like, "Yeah." She was like, "I see that it's not going to get me a whole lot." And so I just encouraged her that, and and these are some of the things that you have to do with first-time homeowners. This is a conversation, and and I and I actually got some got some real good verbiage from you mm-hmm. about what to say. Uh, to those families in those situations. And I just explained to her, the average homeowner in the United States, they stay in their first home five to seven years. So don't look at this. A house is not only a place for you to stay, but it's also like an investment tool. And you have to look at this as a step to the next house. I mean, because what's going to happen is that your family is going to change. Like right now, she has a 13-year-old daughter and she has like a, a like an 18-year-old son. And the one thing she said was that, I know that I'm going to have my daughter just for the next three, four years. Next three, four years, my daughter is going off to college. My son, I'm just concerned about my son, you know, being a young black male. And I don't, you know, and, and if he's in the, in the wrong environment, then that environment is going to is going to devour him. You know, it's it's gonna. It, you know, she's concerned that that the wrong environment is going to destroy her son, and so of course that's the worry of a lot of mothers. I always encourage people to go to, you know, especially first time homebuyers, go to, drive through that neighborhood morning, noon, and night to see what the neighborhood is like. That's going to determine whether or not you know. You're going to like the house. But then also one of the things you said to me, and I and, and, and this is what I said to her, is that look at this. It's not your forever home. You know, life is like a ladder. And, and you know, and so your first house is just it's, it's a step to your next house because what's going to happen over the years is that your needs are going to change. Um, the size of your family is going to change. A lot of different things are going to happen.
0: Yeah. We've been really candid and have these great conversations, and uh, one of the things I realized through our friendship and I, we've talked about it, and I've talked about it with others is that, you know I grew up in the North Shore. I had a mom and dad, and I had a roof over my house, and I had an education and food in the refrigerator. like I, I, I knew everything that I had. But it wasn't until recently that I realized that one of the most important things that I had as a young man is I had a roadmap Mm -hmm. and I could see the rungs on the ladder. And I could see that while I might not follow my dad or my uncles or my friends' parents' path, I could see all these different paths. And one of the challenges for people in the inner city is they don't see a path. They don't Mm -hmm. have a path. They don't see the rungs on the ladder. And most of if not all of my clients are in the game. They're already in the game. Their parents owned. It's it's destiny that they're going to own. And I'm not changing lives. But you're really changing lives. You're taking people that aren't in the game, that don't see a roadmap, that don't understand the incremental steps in a ladder. And you're helping them understand that when they save money and when they get these grants and they're going out and they're kind of heartbroken at what they see that they can afford, you're really teaching them and educating them that, hey, it's about getting in the game. It's about, This is just the first rung on the ladder. This will be the least nice house you ever own. But the first one is the biggest step. Mm-hmm. And, and to me, that's God's work.
1: So what I what I do is that I start off the conversations with them. I tell them some real hard truths because it's like we're strangers right now. You you don't know me from Adam. I, you don't know me. And I don't I don't know you. So I think if we start off this relationship and I and I tell you some and I and I tell you some some tough truths. Right. I think trust is going to be a real important thing. Again, you're going to you're going to purchase this house right now you're not happy with the selection of houses that you have right but putting your own sweat equity into the house purchasing this house making this house increase in value more than what it was bef- you no know, especially when you first when when you purchased it that's going to make you proud first of all but people often forget like the pr- like what the process was like once they close but then What's even cooler is like now that they've established that, and 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 this and, and I'm getting somewhere, like I, I had a person that purchased a house a few years ago and now they they contacted me and now they're looking for investment properties. And and what they often tell me is that I wouldn't be it, you know, you you were talking about you're you're in the game now. He wouldn't have been able to do that had he not been a homeowner first. And and so this is one of the things I think is is like you said you you said this is God's work right, and what what families what, what a lot of the families I work with what they don't what they f- come to realize is that once they purchase this house and now they're a homeowner, I have room you know I have money to invest, I have money to save, I, I have money to do things with you know now. I'm not I'm no longer getting receipts for my rent, but I actually have an asset that I'm putting value in. And then from that point, now I'm creating what's called a portfolio. Now I have a real estate portfolio. And it's amazing just just seeing families, you know, go go from 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 that point to this point. Yeah. Great way to put it. There's this lady named Phoebe. Phoebe was one of our families of the year. Her husband is a big, tough trucker, big dude. And um, when they finally got the keys to that house, that big, strong, tough dude cried. And um, one other story, one of my first sales as an axe realtor uh, it was this guy named James Reynolds. And James Reynolds was like, I want to say he was like the 2018, 2018 family of the year. He purchased a a city tax foreclosed house from the city of Milwaukee. And um, his landlord lost the house due to unpaid property taxes. James was like, well, he approached the city and he said, hey, I would like to purchase this house. James is, like, his the amount of money that he was paying in rent versus what he's paying in mortgage now, he's literally paying half of what he was paying in rent. And what he was paying in rent really wasn't a lot. One of the things he did, it was a young man that he kind of took under his wing. He was kind of like a father figure to him. He told him, he was like, hey, I want you to stay here. You know, you can stay in the lower... I want you to stay here. I don't want you to go anywhere, and I'm just going to charge you the same amount of rent that you were previously getting charged from the city, again, which wasn't a lot. And so, James is actually James, he took the opportunity to do some to do something very selfless and to and to be a blessing in a young man's life.
0: So, in the few minutes we have left, mm-hmm. You are a realtor second, you're a family man first.
1: Yep.
0: Let's talk <laughs> about your family for a second. I know when we chat, they always come up, they mean the world to you. Yep. Let's take a few minutes and talk about your family.
1: So um yeah, I've been I've been married uh to to my wife Taisha for uh twenty five years. We have six children. Five of the six children are married. Everyone except David. David is 13, so David's not getting married anytime soon. And you have a multicolored family. Yeah. So um so I have a uh I have a Japanese Hawaiian daughter-in-law. I have a I have an Italian son-in-law uh named Brian. So Michelle is the is the Japanese Japanese Hawaiian daughter. Um her parents are still in Honolulu. my, my son met her when he was in the Marines. I have a uh of course my son Sergio Sergio is Sergio my son-in-law Sergio is African American. Uh there's uh I have a I have Brian Brian is uh is is Italian. Carla uh she's been my daughter-in-law for a couple of months now. Carla is Carla is Mexican. And then I have a, another daughter-in-law named Ashley. So that her and my son Donovan they they haven't been married that long but yeah, Ashley is Puerto Rican.
0: Sounds like a beautiful family. Yeah, I know they, you're yeah. very proud of all of them. Yep. yep. So um, I'm going to ask you the toughest question. Mm-hmm. What do they learn from you?
1: Um, try your best. Yeah, try your best, you know, uh, and don't make excuses. You know, don't make excuses. You know, just learn from your mistakes. Take accountability. That's like the biggest thing for me.
0: Well, you live that, yeah. right? You, you make things happen. You are changing lives. You know, this relationship started as me being the mentor and you being the mentee. <laughs> I've learned as much or more from you as I've taught you. Um, and, uh, I don't know how, you know, maybe, maybe God brought us together. Um, uh, but I so value the, friendship. It's changed the way I do business. It's changed the way I live my life. Let's just continue helping people. Let's stay on the mission of improving people's lives and doing what's right and doing what's honorable. And uh, at the end of the day, we'll look back and it won't be about the amount of homes we sold, but it'll be about the amount of families whose lives we changed. Thanks,
1: Dion. Thank you. Thank you, Rich.
0: If you'd like to get involved and help Dion in his mission of getting people into homes for the first time and changing the trajectory of their lives, their kids' lives, their grandkids' grandkids' lives, there's no better way to get involved than to support the efforts of ACTS Housing. Uh, you can go on their website, it's A-C-T-S, Housing, one word, ACTSHousing.org, ACTSHousing.org, Or you can give me a call and I can tell you all about the organization. But if this affected you and you want to get involved, do it now. So I'd like to give a shout out to Podcast Town Studios, our producer. No sleep for creating the music. Please subscribe wherever you get your podcast. And if you believe that you or someone you know would be an ideal guest and would talk about not what they've done, but really who they are, Why don't you reach out to me? I'm the easiest guy in the world to get a hold of. Thank you.